0: Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. If you've ever wondered if being in search is like an epic story, I'm here to tell you that it absolutely is. There are dragons and gold and mystery, occasionally large potholes, drunken taverns. In every epic story, the heroes go out Go to the place where they began, and their paths lead them to adventure and danger, romance and joy, loss and mystery. It sounds like a great description of search to me. Beloved writer J.R.R. Tolkien, who some of you may know, he loved this idea. In fact, he helped to create this idea, or at least the modern version of it. In his foundational work, The Fellowship of the Ring, a part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he had a wise character, the wizard Gandalf. And Gandalf said, there is only one road. It's like a great river. Its springs were at every doorstep and its every path was its tributary. It's a dangerous business, he said, going out of your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep to your feet, there's no telling where you might be swept off to. Today, each of you did something amazing. You got out of your bed or off your couch or out of your chair, and you put on a legally appropriate amount of clothing, (laughs) and you stepped out of your door onto the road whose branches lead not just to this church, but to the entire living world. If you're more of a scientific bent, you became a nerve impulse, traveling along the neural pathways of the living cosmos, a spark of yes in the darkness. You were swept into an interconnected web of transportation, With airplanes and cars and high speed rail and huge container ships, making the planet a little smaller each day. And you brought your story, your epic journey, your questioning mind here. What the heck is this journey about, anyway? What's the ultimate answer, the answer to life, the universe? the whole darn thing. If you've ever read Douglas Adams, the answer is easy. Does anybody know what it is? Oh, 42. Douglas Adams said, that's the answer to all of it. Unfortunately, he didn't know the question. If you've never read Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I highly recommend it. But if the answer is that simple... Either you never knew the question, or you forgot what the question was. William Ellery Channing gave a slightly different answer. He said, each of us is meant to have a character all our own to be what no other can exactly be, and to do what no other can exactly do. And it's Channing's answer that we care about today. We're here to be what no one else can exactly be to examine our lives as UU minister James Luther Adams told us to do because the unexamined life is not worth living. We're here to tell our own stories as well and as truly as we can and to bring those stories together into a living church. Now one of our readings today mentioned Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, and for him the quintessential story was that hero's tale, that epic story. Each one of you knows that story arc as well as you know your own face in the mirror. We have a humble hero who starts out, he works a normal job or he's a shepherd or he's a little boy locked under the stairs. They go out into the wide world, they conquer obstacles and enemies and they return at last wiser maybe richer, having suffered trials and torments in the full range of human emotions. Harry Potter, The Wizard of Oz, Die Hard. They're all types of hero's tales, all places where the road swept them away. Our own lives are hero's tales where we make meaning of our experience grow in our ability to understand what's happened, and make increasingly more complicated decisions based on our understanding of our pieces of our own story. Campbell says life has no meaning. Each of us has meaning, and we bring it to life. It's a waste to be asking the question when you are the answer. So if we're the answer, individually, then it all boils down to the choices that we make. And we're going to be making a lot of choices over the next two years. We're going to be talking a lot about who you are, what you want, where you want to go. It's about the lens that we use to see the world. For the next two years, we're going to be choosing your lens, you are going to choose how you see the world. And we're going to journey along the road together, making meaning and asking questions. Sometimes we're going to screw it up. Sometimes I'm going to screw it up, and sometimes you are. Sometimes we all are. And sometimes we're going to get it perfectly right. Sometimes we won't believe how smart we all are, and the journey will go on either way. There's a really old joke about a prospector's colt, about a young colt who passes a prospector's donkey in the street. And the donkey is standing there fully loaded with mining supplies from this gold prospector. And its back is bowed deeply and permanently by all the supplies that it's carrying. Food and bedding and water. It's carried it for its entire life. And this young colt whistles and says, Wow, how in the world do you do that? I could never carry that kind of weight. And the old donkey says, what's weight? It's been his entire life. He doesn't even understand what he carries. The problem with our lenses is that the biggest and most important realities are often the hardest for us to see and to talk about. We learn to not only ignore the elephants in the room, but to wallpaper over them and call them decor. But here in our churches, part of what we're here to do is to make choices about our lenses. We learn not how to think, but how to decide what we want to think about. It seems obvious. We have complete freedom, of course, in choosing what we think about. But think just for a minute about that donkey, about that weight. Sometimes you can't even see what's been there all along. Another simple story. Two guys are sitting in a bar after a terrible flood. One's an atheist, the other one devoutly religious, and they're arguing about whether there's a God. They almost come to blows when the atheist says, look, I'm not being a jerk. I have a serious reason for not believing in God, and they just they just got confirmed during the flood. Okay, says the religious guy. Tell me about your reasons. Look, the atheist says, during the flood, I got trapped in my house on the roof, and there I was screaming, calling out for help. Nobody came. And finally I said, you know what, I don't want to drown. Okay, if there's a God, help, I'm, I'm praying, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, but get me out of here. And the religious man looked around totally confused and he said, well, you're here, doesn't that prove there's a God? That, that God must have helped you, right? No way, said the atheist. Five minutes after I finished all that silly prayer stuff, a rescue team showed up with a boat and a helicopter. They fixed me right up. Each one of us is the hero in our own tale, with our own lens and our own burdens, and no two of us will see things the same way. Prayer or a good emergency response team? Who knows? Wait? What wait? Who knows? As you use, we're quick to point out there are many paths to the same places or different places, and that what is most important is our respect for each person's lived experience and diversity. That's incredibly valid, but it lets us ignore the elephant. How the heck do we turn the ideas and burdens and lenses and abilities of a whole group of people into a church? A church that does what we want it to do. What does shared church look like for you today? I look forward to our journey together, to helping as you find your collective lens, as we examine our shared map of the road before us. I look forward to helping you live your church into the world. We are on a great journey together. May the trip be amazing, and I look forward to getting to know each and every one of you. Amen.